I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones, and welcome to Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. We who spend our lives in so-called first-world countries have little idea how we got that way. We grow up in the lap of relative luxury and are not stimulated to question the luck of the birth lottery that had us being born where we were. And as we grow up in that protected crucible, we seldom stop to question the system that gives us relative everything, while millions more in other less privileged parts of our globe go without. Far from questioning, usually, we scramble frantically to carve out our little corner of paradise where we can hunker down with families and fireplaces and frequent flyer miles in isolation so complete we rarely think about those little details like social injustice or economic imperialism. In spite of tipping our hats to the global imbalance in our sophisticated recycling programs, financial support to third world charities and wholesome bike lanes, we don't really want to rock the boat too much. It's safe to say, then, the blame for our world's social crisis can be partly laid at our feet. Corrupting society's divine tissue, today, on Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. Well, perhaps that opening discussion will get me crossed off a few Christmas lists, but I appeal to your sense of social justice and open minds to bear with me here. Just to remind you that the perspective on our program is drawn heavily from the science of psychosociopathology emerging from the International Society of Analytical Trilogy in Sao Paulo, Brazil, which is the worldwide headquarters of psychoanalyst and social scientist Dr. Norberto Kepi. And Kepi is also forthright in his analysis of the human condition here in the early 21st century. Is there hunger in the world? Kepi writes. Are there abandoned children? Is there injustice, aggression, robbery? Then every one of us is guilty because we have helped to build and preserve a society that is inhuman. End of the quote there. Well, that should cause a deep soul-searching in every honest human being who, in their quiet moments maybe, must admit that we have not done as much as we could to build a better world. In fact, until I came to Brazil and began to work directly With Kepi's Science of Analytical Trilogy, I'd never given the idea of working to better the human condition that much thought. Oh, I'd contributed to charity and uh, tried to be a good neighbor and all that, but really, living outside of my own looking out for number one bubble? I don't think so. And just to drive this point home, I remember a presentation I heard by Catherine Austin Fitz, a very interesting financial analyst. Catherine's a former assistant secretary of housing and a federal housing commissioner in the first Bush administration. And back in 2002, she was leading a workshop with 100 or so participants at a conference called Spiritual Frontiers. Her presentation there was called How the Money Works in Organized Crime. She said in that presentation that the Department of Justice in the United States, had reported that the U.S. economy launders from $500 billion to a trillion dollars a year of drug and other illegal money. Well, that's a pretty staggering amount, and it hasn't gotten any less, let me tell you. The connection between the U.S. government and CIA and drug trafficking is explosively revealed in Dr. Claudia Bernhard Pacheco's incendiary and important book, The American Drug Multinational, available on our site at HealingThroughConsciousness.com. But back to Ms. Catherine Austin Fitz. She asked her audience in that presentation, what would happen if the U.S. stopped being the global leader in laundering this vast amount of money? And they said, these participants in her workshop, that the stock market would go down 
and there would be difficulties in financing the government deficit, and taxes might go up. Then Mrs. Fitz said, Well, let's pretend there's a big red button up on the stage here, and if you push that button, you can stop all drug trafficking in your community tomorrow. Who would push that button? Out of a hundred people at a conference on spiritual frontiers, only one would have pushed the button. A little surprised, Ms. Fitz asked, well, what about the rest of you? And they said, look, we don't want our mutual funds to go down. We don't want our taxes to go up. And it's exactly here where our first world participation in social injustice lies. We don't want to do anything that might sacrifice our cushy situation. It's just like the bureaucrat who subtly sabotages the office ethics committee because he doesn't want them sniffing too close to his department. We get pretty tight-lipped if any social criticism comes close to touching our piece of the pie. Self-interest is still pretty high, and uh, since our relative first-world abundance has been largely built on the backs of third-world resources and labor, we don't get to the level of casting a critical light on this since that would mean threatening our situation. All this means we're pretty pacted with the status quo. Not not in the small ways, the small stuff we critique, the corruption, the pollution, the taxes, but the system in itself, not so much. Even the Occupy movement is very anxious to get its hands on the money of the 1% without really changing the system that produced the 1%. Kepi calls this our pact with the powerful, a not very conscious attitude we have to give value to the rich and famous, thinking that they're the top of society, no matter how they got there. In fact, we don't question how they got there at all. We're immersed in this practical philosophy of William James in North America, which advocates that what's good is what works. So we see people getting to the top by hook or by crook, and we say, well, he or she's there, they're successful, they're rich and famous, and that's where we'd like to be too, so more power to them. I've even had some of my Facebook friends, and even in person, questioning me about why I'm so down on the powerful. They're smarter than we are, they say, or if it was easy to solve, they would have solved this problem, which is pardon the expression, but such a load of horse hooey that I hardly know how to respond. So gaped-mouthed am I at such naivety. I'm from Kepi's school on this one. The men and women who serve for what passes as leadership on our inverted planet are in the main mediocre and incompetent. But worse, they're unconscious of any of their pathology and so highly dangerous. And this is our work on this radio program, trying to bring consciousness to this situation. Well, let's dig into this a little further, shall we? Corrupting Society's Divine Tissue with Dr. Claudia Bernard Pacheco when we return on Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. You're listening to Thinking with Somebody Else's Head on the Stop Radio Network. This is Richard Lloyd-Jones. It's a globalized world today. Publish something on virtually any social network and it could go viral in minutes. This makes it very exciting for our Stop Radio Network, of course, because now we're not limited to 50,000 watts and terrestrial radio coverage. Our programs are heard in more than 100 countries. If you're looking to reach customers, suppliers, even new employees more effectively, you need that global presence too. That means globalization services like internationalization, localization, internationalization, 
interpretation, translation, cultural consulting, and multilingual development. All of that is what we do at Millennium Translations. We're a worldwide distributor of translation and localization services, and we work in a huge variety of languages. We're also part of the Millennium Group of Trilogical Enterprises. So check us out on the web, etranslate.com.br. Millennium Translations, we help you operate more effectively around the world. You're listening to the Stop Radio Network from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Our programs are based on the landmark science of Dr. Norberto Kepi, and there are many exciting applications of his work occurring in Brazil and numerous other locations around the world. This includes language classes, translation services, psychology sessions by phone or Skype, and the new energy solutions proposed by the Kepi Motor. Kepi's expansive science is outlined in his many books and TV programs, all available through our site at stop.org.br. Now, back to Thinking with Somebody Else's Head on the Stop Radio Network. Welcome back to our program, Thinking with Somebody Else's Head on the Stop Radio Network. Claudia Baron-Hepper-Shake has joined us again. And my dear friend Bob Butler is here to add the perspective from business. Because the thing I have here, Bob, is I think kind of interesting. Claudia, last week you were talking about... Why do people have to learn English? I remember that. I was thinking, wait a minute, Claudia, I'm an English teacher. Calm down there. <laughs> but you... At least it's, it's English. Imagine it, it would be Ooh. Chinese. Yeah. No, life, Even is too, worse. life is too short to learn Chinese. And uh, you were talking about it in this regard, that the, the demands on people to learn English are so that they can make more money for the company. Yes. So I, I've been thinking about that all week. And I came across this in a Brazilian publication here, a, a financial business publication called Você S.A. I don't know what S.A. means. Do you know what? The... Um, anonymous Society. Okay. All right. You, the Anonymous Society. And there's an article in here about the profile of the executive that's most looked for in companies. And in here, they're talking about the market accelerating. And I was thinking about this in exactly the same uh, context you were thinking about it. There's a, a recent research study done by Future Step saying that Brazilian executives in human relations are the ones most under pressure to get results. Um, they expect results from new people in the first year, and they're saying why. Uh, how has Brazil arrived at the top of this pressure list? Because the expectations of multinational companies are to make money here. Yes. Look at that. So, because they sent away all the workers yeah. in in the United States and in Europe, mostly where the people had a high-quality work, now they're out of work. So much in unemployment, leaving um, out of some speculation, some profits from from putting the the money in on the banks and yeah, things like yeah, this so, sort of but people can't work anymore financial no financial yeah. manipulation so i was thinking about this in this relationship that the pressure is jobs be- moved yeah the pressure is because the businesses have are dying there yeah, and so yeah. they're coming here to make more money it's the same yeah. and they died because of this they wanted to bring companies to this uh countries like uh, 
Undeve- uh, uh, like developing countries. Developing countries. What they call, yeah. Okay, so I have difficulties now to use the the economic term. Okay, so people now in in the first world they are they do not accept anymore to be slaves. So they want to have a a fair share of what they do and what they produce, a quality work. So they started to move away from these first world countries, and this is well known by everyone. Everybody knows that. So they move this to this underdeveloped nations where they can have slaves, and they do this with this with the slaves. With the slaves, yeah. <laughs> Bob, you have a statistic about factories and things that are closing in the United States that I think is quite staggering. I, I can't remember the author at this time, but uh, he quoted that from 2001, approximately 44,200, for example, manufacturing plants have been lost in the United States. About 75% of those plants employed a minimum of 500 people. The bottom line is, if you think it's conservative, cut it in half. It's still millions of jobs, and in my opinion, it's probably conservative. It's probably greater than what's been reported. But 44,200 manufacturing plants have been closed since 2001, and the city of Detroit is trying to figure out ways to move the city in closer because they can't service, they can't afford the people living outside what's now considered Detroit. And you see, Bob, this is from 2001, from then on, and before that. When we went there in the early 80s, the situation was already horrible. Whole, whole cities were shut down because of this. Farms were closed. So since the early 80s up to now, what is left? Not much when it comes to manufacturing. And if it is, it's, it's, it's very small. The auto plants, as a fact, I mean, many have closed. They're st- still automotive. So the governmental debt went... Skyrocketed. And the debt continues to grow. Yes, how do you see the causes of this, Bob, in your, your time here, looking at Dr. Kepi's work very intensely? How do you see the, the reasons that this has happened? It has a lot to do with a lot of the pathologies of the human being. I mean, greed. I mean, uh, when unions first came to the United States, they were a good thing. There were immigrant workers. They were being taken advantage of by unscrupulous managers. So the unions did good work. And uh, now they've negotiated contracts and pension benefits that unfortunately are unsustainable for the cities, the municipalities that have them. In fact, in California, several of the cities there are filing bankruptcy because they can't pay the union pension rights. And the corporations are protected. The profits of the huge corporations keep being protected and the corporations the they're trillionaires back. they're pulling back on their benefits there many companies now are, are not really offering retirement or pension plans they're offering 401k plans which is a, a tax deduction type program when you get older but yet that money is invested in the stock market and uh, Sooner or later, I think that's going to self-explode yeah. as well. And, of course, they're trying to uh, to move the jobs into these cheap labor or cheaper labor areas. But, you know, Claudia, one thing that strikes me about this, they, they, they always talk about these movements of 
moving companies out of the country and searching for other areas where you can build up plants and um, globalization. These things are always presented as inevitable movements, right, Mm -hmm. that are natural movements of history. But it's really, it's not like that in any way. This is planned, organized, designed, controlled, thought about, uh, all of this, which you guys noted in the 1980s, Dr. Kepi particularly wrote extensively about this. About the 1%. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So how, how, how does Dr. Kepi, how do you see this today? What's the well, situation? Well, we see that they are like uh, very intelligent or clever psychopaths. They pay the lawmakers. They pay everybody. They give a small share of their profits so they can preserve this, even using force, police, military, to preserve their wealth. But the thing is that uh, they are destroying civilization, and we wonder how long this will last. How long? Because this is impossible to continue. Can't go on much longer. And all throughout this management book, what I'm seeing is these um, sort of tips on what to do to uh, to survive in this world. And one of the things you said a number of radio programs ago is that forget about fixing here or there <laughs> the system that's already broken. This is so clear to me. that Our central bank is advising people to use this social currency or something like that. Yeah. So uh, communities that are poor or that cannot depend on jobs or these large corporations... Um, you see them starting this kind of communities or eco-villas or things like permaculture villas so they can survive. And they use these social currencies, local social currencies, to survive. And so the central bank is even advising, supporting these initiatives wow. because the problem is so big. And you see, everybody comes where? To Sao Paulo, where the money is. So this um, municipal disease or hypertrophy that exists here, more than 20 million inhabitants in one city. This is larger than many countries. The whole population of countries. It's almost the population of Canada, I know. Canada, Sweden, Finland, Norway, many countries. Um, so we have this huge, unbearable city, and it's, like it's 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 like total abnormal. This is a monster, monstrous creation of the corporations and the banks. So they brought all the money here. So everybody that need to survive and they don't have any jobs any longer in their cities, they have to come here. They survive under horrible circumstances. They are living in slums and so you see this all caused by a handful of people group of people this which is is very sick let's come to some solutions about this in a minute because we have a number of these projects happening around brazil's we've spoken about many times but there's a great quote from a, a book written in, in the early 1900s, 1905, actually, a, a woman named Ida Tarbell wrote a book, History of the Standard Oil Company. Listen to her description of Rockefeller. No candid study of his career can lead to any other conclusion than that he is victim of perhaps the ugliest of all passions, 
that for money, mm-hmm. money as an end. It's not a pleasant picture, this money maniac secretly, patiently, eternally plotting how he may add to his wealth. He has turned commerce to war and honeycombed it with cruel and corrupt practices. And he calls his great organization a benefaction and points to his church-going and charities as proof of his righteousness. This is supreme wrongdoing cloaked by religion. There is but one name for it, hypocrisy. I have never seen a description of someone, except in Dr. Kepi's books when he describes the, the powerful, that's it goes right to the heart of what is the you what could, is controlling you us. could like give a synonym to this man yeah. antichrist like he is the he is the image of the antichrist because he he claims doing everything uh, under uh, the goals or the uh, the ideal of religion and and divine intentions and that's how he he works yeah. and that's how he crushes nations and and children and and everybody so he's he's so powerful in his evil doings yeah and i want to take advantage of bob being here because you know when i first came to brazil bob this idea of the pathologically powerful was was difficult to understand in terms of like it being an organized thing i could certainly see that there are pathological people in power how do you relate to this today three years ago that was difficult for me to accept but after three years of really studying and looking it's it's very true and you see it in in our own uh, congress in the united states there was an author who wrote a book called throw them all out and uh, he really revealed and i found the book to be accuracy at least in the citations that i verified that uh, many times behind closed doors where our senators and congressmen would be discussing things that were supposed to be private After those meetings, they were uh, picking up the phones and calling the brokers and investing in organizations and companies that they had been discussing. And many, Democrat and Republican, both parties, um, they made millions and millions of dollars speculating on things that were to be proposed for legislation, especially in the health care arena. And it's... It's it's really bizarre when the Speaker of the House at that time, Nancy Pelosi, said, well, we have to pass the bill before we read it to know what's in it. And I could never understand that. You have to pass it in order to read it to know what's in it. My God. Normally, you would think that legislation should be read before it's voted. <laughs> it's on. quite different from accept to understand that you've been talking about here. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so you see that still thousands or millions of naive people are still thinking that they need a government and they need these governments. And so if they are, if we would be without any government, we would have a, a turmoil or a, a chaos. But you see, if we would have a period where nobody would be, these evil people would not be in power. We would have conditions, time uh, to arrange ourselves locally and later on globally in a more reasonable, intelligent and democratic way. Let's talk about that reasonable, intelligent, democratic way when we come back. Thinking with somebody else's head on the Stop Radio Network returns in just a moment. 
You're listening to the Stop Radio Network, our 24-7 radio channel from the International Society of Analytical Trilogy in Sao Paulo, Brazil. This is the Stop Radio Network, broadcasting from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Back in 1986, Norberto Kepi wrote a book that predicted the worldwide economic crisis we're facing today. Liberation of the People critiques the pathology of power that lies at the base of our inverted social system and points the way out. This is essential reading for anyone wanting to find out how we got in such a mess and how we can get out. Liberation of the People, available in print or downloadable versions now at HealingThroughConsciousness.com. I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones. You know, there are many ways to dig deeper into the themes we discuss in our Stop Radio Network programs. There are books and TV and radio programs, conferences, teleclasses. But what about this one? Learning a language. That's kind of wild, isn't it? Millennium Language School in Sao Paulo, where I teach, incidentally, offers eight language courses using Norberto Kepi's psycholinguistic method. Yeah, we use his vast literature and scientific findings to make it easier for anyone to learn a language. It'd be a great time to tackle Portuguese, actually, with Brazil quickly becoming a prime world destination. And you can learn online from wherever you are. So drop us a line if you'd like to learn more. Jones at stop.org.br. Millennium Language Schools. We're teaching life in eight languages. You're listening to Thinking with Somebody Else's Head on the Stop Radio Network. Our program is based on the science of analytical trilogy. If you're interested in learning more, you'll find information about books, TV shows, and any upcoming congresses or teleclasses on our site at HealingThroughConsciousness.com. Now, back to Thinking with Somebody Else's Head with Richard Lloyd-Jones and Dr. Claudia bernhardt Pacheco on the Stop Radio Network. Our program is Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. We're on the Stop Radio Network and uh, streaming through iTunes and on our site at stopradio.org and healingthroughconsciousness.com. Claudia, as we were going to break, you were talking about intelligence, <laughs> democracy. If it, if we reasonable. Just, reasonable. If we could just have a break, you know, from this pressure. And, you know, as I'm quoting this magazine at the beginning, you see everywhere that people are under tremendous pressure. Yeah, and we cannot accomplish because of the laws. The upside-down laws, they do. They f- prohibit everything. Everything are, is prohibited. So they, they claim it's crime, it's unlawful. But you see, most of the laws they do, they are unfair. They are totally unfair and unreasonable. Because people stopped. We don't build anymore, in, like roads. We don't build uh, bridges. We don't do monuments. We don't, do, uh, we don't build hospitals, universities, anything else because the money is in the hands of this few. I have a small example of that. I'm, I'm going to Vancouver in a few days and uh, Granville Island in Vancouver is this uh, wonderful project that was an old industrial area that they've turned into artist shops and galleries and food markets and restaurants. It's an absolutely wonderful area of Vancouver. That was paid for by the federal government of Canada in the 1970s when they had money to do these kind of city beautification projects. That money has completely gone. There's no money for doing things like you're, you're talking about. I have a friend all. who lives in New York City, and she's very proud of the improvements that the mayor does, and claiming that in New York City is everything different. So I told her, but 
at what cost? Who sends the money? Who pays the bills? Have you seen the huge debt your country has? Where this money comes from? If they are not producing and paying for their own bills, somebody is paying for that. And who do you think it's paying and working to pay your bills? This is something... And I asked her, don't get offended, but don't your... Like the citizens of your country think where this money comes from. So if they are not being able to pay for that... This trillion debt, who's paying for the bills for, for that or for, who's paying the bills? So the so-called undeveloped countries, they are paying for that. So when they come here, for instance, and they see the slums and all this poverty, they get like, ah, how come yeah. this difference of classes? Yes, this is, this is horrible. This is ugly. But we cannot compare What we, what we see here, the unfairness done here with what we see in the first world. So our government people, they should give a stop on this exploitation that these corporations do to our people. They don't do this because they have their share. And for what I understand, as Bob said, this is just a facade. Because only, this is only for tourists and for people who go there to, to make, like, Business, but the rest of the country, the whole huge rest of United States, is forgotten. The people is forgotten, so they are protesting because things change there too for yeah. worse. Yeah. So they they are already yeah. also feeling this consequence. Yeah, you saw this in the eighties, early. Yes, 80s. we saw this. It was we saw this, and we were very much like a compena. Yeah, with with pity. Yeah. yeah. Of, uh, he felt pity for Yeah, them. because this, uh, how come uh, in United States people are always working? Now, we, we will not only speak about United States, we are speaking globally now. Yeah. And what we see in Europe, happening in Europe, or here in Brazil, we see the end of a civilization. This is for sure. This, is, this cannot continue like this. And what comes next will be always best than what we see now, if they keep the power... This can get worse. But if don't, we, everything we see will be better, better than what we see now. How, Claudia? How can we... Because we have a, a, like an energetic uh, basis, Richard. Society is in itself something divine in nature. So all of us have inside of ourselves a sense of justice, a sense of the need to do good, to, 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 to live in beauty, to progress. This is natural. This is spontaneous from the inner self of human beings that are more normal, that are not prone only to make money as the end of life, like the, the purpose of life. So the majority of people, they don't live to make money. They live to be happy. They live to have friends, to have a good companion to accomplish something, to travel, to enjoy life. So if uh, this handful of evil, powerful, sick, powerful people would stop interfering, the, uh, the tendency of the world of humanity would be to have a healthier, more balanced. So it's, it's the opposite. The chaos is provoked by them. And nature has in itself like a genes. It's, it's like divine genes. Uh, organizing like a, a divine tissue that organize. You see the forests; they're all organized. They work perfectly. But yeah. when man comes inside of it and interferes, then so the same thing with uh, society. 
society naturally would tend to be f more fair and to be freer and to be more human. So this is, this is like we are children of God. We have this in our genes. Yeah. And how to follow that. This is what Dr. Kepi is. If, if I could look at his work. I remember when I came to Brazil after a few months, I said, wow, Claudia, it's very clear. Because I came for six months, you know, and then I saw very quickly what was really going on here. And I said, it really is a, a, a human being has a real problem with God. And um, if, if we can somehow find a way to deal, to understand this, we're not evolving into some better situation. We are actually against our true nature. If we could understand a little yeah. bit more about this, it would make a huge difference, wouldn't it? So when you come back from Canada, yes. we can speak about the book Glorification of Dr. Kepi. But my okay. time is over well, today. So, so we have to say goodbye to our listeners, our friends. And to my dear New Yorker friend, <laughs> she she must be listening to this program, and and I wish you a very good trip. Thank you, and and we, I hope you enjoy your trip and with your family and your friends, and you come back energized. Yeah. So we can speak about this beautiful book, Glorification. By the way, one of the directors of a huge American publishing house one day he said we should start with with. Five million copies of this book because this is what humanity is really thirsty for. We're thirsty for a deeper meaning in life, even without knowing it. Viktor Frankl summarized that craving as man's search for meaning, and Norberto Kepi has corrected that a little, pointing to our tendency to deny meaning. That makes our quandary complicated. We hunger for meaning and deny it at the same time. Complex creatures we are. That is our program for this week. We are back again soon on Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. Please follow us on our websites at healingthroughconsciousness.com, stopradio.org, and join us on Facebook, too. Until next time, I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones. Bye for now. <laughs>